Jesus, we are thankful for the gift of your Holy Spirit who is with us at all times in the good and the bad and the hard and, Lord, the joyful. We just ask that you would be with all those we think of in our congregation who are uh, continuing to recover from surgeries. Uh, Lord, I think of Tanner's uh, dad, Richard. I think of my brother, Micaiah. And, uh, Lord, I think of Rick and Rose and George and Kim, those that we continue to keep in prayer from uh, diagnoses of cancer. Lord, we just ask that you would uh, surround them and your families with the knowledge of your mercy and love, or that you would fill them with uh, your Holy Spirit today, and that uh, your Spirit would be there to heal, to comfort, and Lord, to strengthen in these times. Lord, we're thankful to be here in worship today to celebrate uh, new members and baptisms. We're thankful that we're able to hear from your word. Uh, Lord, just ask that you would be, uh, Lord, powerful throughout the world to reveal, reveal yourself as Savior and Lord. Think of those in Israel, Palestine, and, and Lord, in, um, in Ukraine. We think of those places throughout the world that are war-torn and that where war seems like it will never end and, Lord, lives are lost. We know that, Lord, you are a God who desires peace and you desire, Lord, uh, righteousness and justice. We ask that you would bring those things about, that your people would be the, the image bearers that bring about peace in those situations. Lord, show us how we individually in each of our lives and as a community and as a nation can be advocates uh, for your kingdom's advancement, Lord, uh, and not a political earthly kingdom, but a spiritual kingdom that changes hearts and lives, Lord, uh, and that shows up in physical, uh, tangible ways. Lord, uh, ask that you would anoint the rest of the service, Lord, that this would be a special time for all those who've made decisions to become part of this family in an official kind of way, and or those who have uh, made the decision to be baptized or reaffirmed, that you would surround them, uh, Lord, with uh, the moment of your spirit just pouring and washing over them as the water does as well. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, today we're going to look uh, briefly at Jude, and we're going to look at Jude verse 22. So if you turn your Bible slightly before Revelation, if you have a uh, an app on your phone that makes it easy, or you can grab a Bible in front of you in, in some of the chairs as well. We're going to look at Jude uh, verse 22. After I get a chance to share a little bit with you there, then we'll bring in our new members. And then at the end of the service, we'll have our baptisms. And at the conclusion of baptisms, we'll sing our final songs. So that's kind of the direction of the rest of the day. And uh, that will be a, a wonderful time that we'll get to experience together. So uh, Jude 22, it's a real uh, short verse that I'll share with you. Just to remind you, if you haven't been here or if it's, uh, if it's been a little while since you've looked at Jude, uh, Jude, we understand, is probably the, and we're going to say for today, it's, it's pretty certain that he's the brother of Jesus. Uh, Jesus has five brothers who are listed for us in the Gospels, and so Jude is one of those brothers and, uh, and kind of became, it seems, a leader of the early church based out of Jerusalem with his brother James, who was a very prominent leader of the church in Jerusalem, and then Jude kind of worked alongside him, and, and he writes this letter to uh, believers who likely have scattered from Jerusalem because of some political upheaval there to different places throughout the world. Maybe some have made their way to Asia. He sends out this letter to remind them about some things they need to keep in mind as they follow Jesus, as they uh, establish the church as we know it throughout the world. And he spends most of the letter uh, trying to correct some things that are wrong. In fact, the beginning of the letter, he says, I'd like to talk to you about the good news and salvation and the love and the mercy of Jesus, but I need to do some correcting. I need to address some issues that are going on. I'd love to be able to just 
gush about how great Jesus is and what he wants to do in your lives, but I need to correct some things. So he spends a lot of the letter correcting those things. And we, uh, we want to keep that in mind when we hear today's verse because I think it helps us realize the power of it. And I would say that, that our verse today encourages us to be part of the mercy project that God is bringing about which will require us to show mercy not only on others around us who are uh, having difficult times in the church, but also on ourselves at times. So be part of the mercy project of God. So I want to read for you Jude verse 22. It says, be merciful to those who doubt. Um, So that's our verse for today. Be merciful to those who doubt. Now, uh, what strikes me first about this verse as we look at it um, is that uh, we, we have to kind of ask, like, who are the doubters? What is Jude talking about here when he talks about doubters? Now, the word that he uses here for doubt can also be translated waverers. You might have a translation that says waverers. Um, if you look at uh, this word and where it shows up throughout the New Testament, you'll find it uh, showing up fairly often. Jesus in Matthew 21 talks about Uh, You need to believe and not doubt. James, another brother of Jude, says in James to, hey, believe and don't doubt, and you know that God will respond. And so here in this passage, it should stand out to us that Jude is saying, be merciful to those who do doubt, those who are doubters, those who do waver. Be merciful to those who waver. Um, Who are the ones who waver? Now, I guess when I think about the ones who are wavering, uh, one thing that strikes me is uh, always a hero of my faith uh, has been Mother Teresa and the life that she lived and the witness that she left. And I don't know if you remember, but after Mother Teresa passed away, uh, one of the things that was published was Mother Teresa's journals. And when Mother Teresa's journals were published, there was a little bit of a public outcry uh, because Mother Teresa, it turned out, struggled immensely with her faith. And if you would read Mother Teresa's journals, you would find that Mother Teresa is often praying to God, God, I do not feel relationship with you. I don't feel that you're there. I don't know that you're there. God, why am I experiencing this kind of life where I don't, I don't know the presence of God in the way that I want to? And her journals deal with that in a very honest and open way. And uh, so one of the things that I, that I keep in mind when I hear uh, Jude saying, be merciful to those who doubt, is that there, there is no way you could read Mother Teresa's journals and not come away with the fact that at some times in her life, she would certainly be counted among the doubtful. I don't know if you can be any more obedient to God than Mother Teresa. I'm sure that she would look back on her life and say, I should have done this better or that better. And, and there are people nowadays who have criticisms about how she ran her organization, and I would encourage them to go try to rescue orphans in Calcutta, India, and see how hard that is. But, uh, but you know, she, had, she wasn't a perfect person. You can see that in her journals, but every decision she made in her life was an attempt to be obedient to what the Lord had called her to do in the middle of her doubting. So we can find doubters in every part of the spectrum of faith in Jesus, is my first point. If Mother Teresa can be described as a doubter or a waverer, then certainly we can understand that God can be active in the life of someone who maybe even rejects the fact that he exists, but they're having this kind of pull and tug of of realizing that there's someone still speaking to me, he's active in my life. And again, I think about conversations with, with my children recently where they're asking, like, how do you hear God's voice? What does it sound like when God speaks to me? And sometimes we just don't hear it. Sometimes we just don't know that he's there. Maybe it's uh, the uh, circumstances of our life 
Maybe it's stuff inside of us that we're dealing with, whether it's sin, things that we know we shouldn't be doing that we just can't escape from, or it's uh, scars of our past. Maybe the church or Christians, people who proclaim faith in Jesus have hurt us, and we're trying to work through that. Wherever it is in the world, wherever you are on the spectrum of doubt, Judas speaking about that person, somebody who's wavering and unsure, someone who's doubting, and he's saying, be merciful. So what does it look like to be merciful to someone who's wavering and who's doubting? So our first question when we look at the passage is, who are the doubters? Then we ask, how do we, how do we show the doubters mercy? And I think one way that we can keep it in mind is that uh, Jesus uh, gives us an example of this, and that on the cross, one of the final things that Jesus says, and depending on what gospel you look at, it is the final thing that Jesus says, he cries out to God and says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? And he is quoting a scripture in Psalm 22, but he is also crying the prayer of everyone who's ever felt separated from God, so that we know that if you don't feel like God is there, and as uh, a theologian that I find very interesting, don't always agree with everything he says, but Peter Rollins will talk about the atheist God. The idea that Jesus on the cross says, God, I don't see you there. Father, I don't know that you're here. Where are you? Why have you left me alone? So that Jesus on the cross shows us that even if you deny the existence of God, God is there with you. God is there with you in that moment because Jesus has gone to the point of complete and separation from God. So how, how do we show mercy to those who are doubters? We remember that that is part of the human experience, that wavering, doubting, not being sure, uh, not knowing where to turn, that God is merciful to us in that moment because his mercy has literally been poured out to us on the cross in that moment. Uh, last week I was talking a little bit about how to hear God's voice. And one of the things that I think I said at the end of the service is that you'll find that as you follow Jesus, as you become more and more in love with Jesus, that everything in your life reminds you of Jesus. And I, I'm, watching, uh, I'm watching a show that I enjoy uh, uh, called Fargo. Now, there are some things that I, as far as language goes, that I kind of have to skip in the show. But uh, one of the things that, that goes on in the, in the show is that it's showing an abusive side of Christianity. There's this character who abuses women, abuses people around him, tries to use his faith as a tool of power, and he's kidnapped somebody in the show, this, his, his, uh, this woman who he's kidnapped, and it, the show presents to us uh, her trying to escape, and, and, and it's playing in the background of this scene, it's playing the song about how Jesus set me free, and I'm trying to make sense of this, like Jesus uh, and his death on the cross is what the song is all about, and then as she's trying to get free, she finds, as she crashes to the floor, she finds a nail on the ground. And I, you know, I don't know how much more obvious the imagery could get that in the middle of a, a world where maybe faith has been used to abuse us, where um, people who say they love Jesus have been the opposite of what Jesus is, that when we're scrabbling around on the ground, when we're at our lowest point, there we find the nail. There we find the God who was sacrificed for us. It's there that we find the key for freedom. And I, as I was watching the show, I was just struck by it. I was struck by it that this is the same thing that Jude's talking about here in this passage. Mercy is available for each and every person, no matter where they are and what they're going through, because Jesus has brought us that mercy. 
As low as you can go, Jesus is there with his mercy. If you feel close to God, Jesus is there obviously pouring out his spirit of joy in your heart. Whatever is ahead of you in the journey of your life, Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross, his presence in your life, his presence in every aspect of human existence is poured out to show mercy. So when we see someone who doubts, when we see someone who maybe even rejects God and we see that person isn't living the way God wants them to, Jude speaks to us and says, be merciful. Remember the mercy of Jesus. Remember that his cross is there for them. The nail is right next to them. If they can only see it to set them free, and it's because of his sacrifice. And Jude knows this because Jude has experienced it. I was reflecting on this on, on Facebook a little bit. I try not to sometimes post things if you follow me on Facebook because I don't want to spoil the sermon. But I couldn't help. I couldn't help this. You're all like, yeah, you can do whatever. But I was, I, I, I posted because I just couldn't help but think about it this week, about this idea of Jude saying, be merciful to those who doubt. Because honestly, uh, this should really strike us in a certain way if we've been reading the New Testament. Because as I said, Jesus says in Matthew 21, believe and don't doubt. James says, believe and don't doubt. Both of the, Jesus and his other brother, the holy brother in Jerusalem say, believe and don't doubt. But Jude here, who's been extremely, I mean, he has said earlier, those who oppose Jesus are in danger of eternal fire. That's been a very common theme early in the letter. But at the end of this letter, he says, be merciful. Let your heart extend, live in this attitude of mercy towards those who are wavering, doubting, and unsure. And Jude says that, I believe, because Jude has known that mercy. In John 7, verse 5, it says, even his own brothers did not believe in Jesus. It shows up for us in all the other passages. I mean, all the other gospels, there's this passage where uh, Mary and Jesus' brothers show up, and Jesus is preaching, and they show up to say, uh, I think you've lost the plot, Jesus. Things are not going the way you expect. The religious leaders don't like what you're doing. You're kind of becoming a fanatic. You need to come back home and we'll straighten some things out. And Jesus says, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and obey it, which I think is a reference back to how his mother hears the word of God and says that she believes, but his brothers are here and they're outside of that. And Jesus sees his brothers and speaks to them and says, this is what we're about is what God wants in our lives. And Jude realizes that mercy. Even though Jude grew up his whole life with Jesus, knew him as well as anyone could know him, he missed the point. He doubted, he wavered, and Jesus showed mercy to him. So Jude in this passage says, even though we need to oppose those who are working against the word of God, doing what God doesn't want us to do, we need to remember to show mercy because of the mercy that Jesus has poured out on us in any and every situation. Remember who he is and he wants a relationship with us. Uh, as I think about this today, I think about my life about um, 12, 11, 11 or 12 years ago, and uh, I think that was probably where I ran the farthest away from God. And at no point in my life did I ever doubt that God existed or that Jesus wanted a relationship with me or that Jesus was who he says he was, but I, I certainly doubted and wavered whether I could live in obedience to him and whether it was possible in my own heart to live in obedience to him whether it was worth the cost. And it, it came after a moment in my life where I feel like I was ex insanely close to Jesus and I'd give him anything. And all of a sudden, next thing I knew, I was in a situation where I just, I didn't know if I could continue in ministry. I didn't know if I could continue to live the life that I thought God had called me to live. And in the middle of that, 
I had an opportunity to interact with my friend Rick, who we, we pray for every day with cancer. And, uh, and Rick, he had a great family that I was, I was good friends with, and, uh, and, but he, he wasn't a Christian. He didn't believe in God, didn't understand uh, a variety of things about life that would make sense if God was real. But I asked, I asked Rick to memorize a part for me in a play that we were doing for Easter where he got to play the part of Simon Peter. And, uh, and I had this idea that if he did that, if he memorized the part, because we were great friends and I knew he would help me if I asked him to, that he might have a relationship with Jesus by the end of it. And uh, that was certainly a, a movement of God because that's what happened. He memorized the part. He worked on it every day while he was working on cars. He'd be memorizing his part and repeating it. He performed it, gave this, he's a big, huge guy with, with long hair, so I thought he'd be great to play Peter, and he was, kind of brought down the house as he delivered this monologue that he'd memorized, and a month later, um, he was talking on his phone, his wife was talking on the phone, she's saying, man, Rick is different, he is different, what's going on with you, Rick, like, are, do you believe in Jesus, and Rick's like, that's it, <laughs> Jesus changed my life, I just have a different perspective on things, and about one year later, I baptized Rick. And I think about today, that today as I baptize you guys. Now, there I didn't have a baptismal, so I just took a big pitcher of water and I poured it over Rick in front of the church. I made sure, I made sure the water was nice and chilly, too, because you need to be refreshed. Um, I can't, can't, but today I feel like it's a little too warm. I apologize, but I tried my best. They, they can tell you I put a couple of bags of ice in there. It's still a little bit warm. I'm not kidding. I did. But um, uh, so I poured it over Rick. And I, I'll never forget that moment. And Rick, Rick will tell you that like his life changed in that moment, that decision that he made to be baptized. But I think one thing that strikes me is how different my life became from that point. Because I think back to who Quincy was before that happened and before the journey that the Lord took me on. And I would certainly be counted among the waverers and the doubters. But the Lord showed mercy on me. He did not give up on me. He said, I still have a plan, a purpose for your life. I want you to be part of the ministry that I'm accomplishing in this world, and I'm not going to give up on you. I'm going to continue to show mercy. When you're at your lowest point, you're going to see the nail that I was pierced with, that, that hung me on the cross for your sake. I'm going to show mercy to you and bring you to this point of new life in me, where you can be completely receptive to my activity in your life, where you can live in obedience to me. And it's a journey that you can jump off the path at some point, and you're going to leave behind your end up in a ditch and I'm still going to come back and pull you out and help you back onto the path following me because my mercy is not going to end. Today we're going to have a chance to uh, welcome those who've said yes to the mercy of Christ but I want to remind each and every person today whether you're getting baptized or reaffirmed or becoming a member that what you're saying today is I'm going to cling to Jesus on the journey. It's not going to be easy I don't know what challenges will be ahead of you in this life, but even if you find yourself on a point where you're described as a waverer or a doubter, he's not going to leave you alone. And that's why it's worth giving him everything. Let's pray.